Oh, hello, John. How are you today? Oh, man, I'm good. How are you? That's, uh, I'm a tad bit sick. Uh, uh, I was healthy when we recorded this episode, but now I'm sick recording an intro. I know, and I'm now healthy, even though I've been sick for like the last two months. Do you think I, yeah. did I give it to you over the microphone? What was it? How did that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Hey, this is the last episode of our third sprint, Daniel. We made it. We did. We did make it to the end of the third sprint uh, at great risk to our own health. <laughs> Yeah, well, so uh, for anyone who just recently started listening to the show, you might not know that every 10 episodes we take a little break just to sort of regroup and decide what we want to do with the next 10 episodes, uh, doing kind correct. of in these little sprints. So It's uh, it's fun because we get, uh, we get tired. And, <laughs> we get really uh, tired. Yeah, and so then we, even though we have probably the chillest release schedule of any podcast ever, which is... <laughs> Every two weeks, probably. Every two. Um, it used to. It was every two weeks for a long time. It's only these last two episodes when it became every two weeks, possibly. Yeah, but it's like we're we're so tired is the thing. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, we need to take a break, which we do every ten episodes, and we always come back raring to go. We come back raring to go. Come back red hot. So yeah. Anyway, we'll see you in a bit. See you in. But a bit. But enjoy this episode for now. This episode's good. Uh, this episode is about uh time and attention and ego and some other stuff i really like it it's it's a uh-huh. little serious for for a season finale but you know you know how we do it yeah, it's, we got some yucks in there though. we get some yucks in there uh also the patron content this week is pretty solid i uh used to be a dj <laughs> a wedding dj and i uh, do some consulting for daniel on his on his uh upcoming wedding and then uh, out of nowhere he asked me to be a groomsman in the wedding and uh i was a groom's person i was please. i'm sorry a groom's person that was really normative of me uh so uh that's exciting yeah uh it's it's a good one. Oh, uh promoting promoting of a friend's thing uh our good good friend johnny smathers uh is releasing a tape on valentine's day it's called thanks for leaving there will be a link in the show notes indeed uh i just listened to a track and it was very very good johnny smathers is awesome it was he does some great good. work um I'm trying to think. Is there anything we think? feel like we hit all the high spots. We we described the episode. We talked about the patron content. We got our Johnny Smathers in there. Ah, so we also have two more ducks to uh, to thank. So we got uh, Walter Somerville. Thank you, Walter, for joining the team. And uh, we also got Drury Lupton. Oh, man. That's going to have to do. That's going to have to do. <laughs> thinking about attention as like a limited resource or like a scarce resource and uh the internet's a tough place for attention i think we i don't know we've talked on here before about how i think about time sometimes how we don't have an infinite amount of it and so we have to decide how we're gonna how we're gonna chop it up how we're gonna spend it or where we're gonna spend it who we're gonna spend it with what we're gonna do with our time what we're gonna do with our work and there's that whole concept of opportunity cost that comes up which is like if I spend my time in one place over here, that means I'm not spending it somewhere else. And uh, that can be very anxiety-inducing. That can be kind of a somewhat troubling way to like think about your, your time. And you can get into some like really crappy utilitarian games that we've started to uh, talk about on here when you start thinking about it in those terms. But I've been thinking about attention in those terms just because I realize how uh, fragile my attention is sometimes. 
I feel like we, we, you have really limited supply of attention. And what makes it so challenging on the internet is that there are a bunch of paid professionals who are desperately cloying for your attention. Everyone wants it because attention is something that can now be commodified and it can now be monetized, right? Facebook traffics in your attention. Google traffics in your attention. Uh, all media companies do too. People are trying to get clicks because they want your ultimately your attention. Uh, and so now that there are a bunch of very smart people with a lot of money who are trying very hard to co-opt my attention, I'm looking for uh, I'm looking to get better at sort of taking command of my own attention. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, it's not easy. I think it's important to uh, to actually have a plan, like a meta plan for your attention, which is hmm. hard. I don't know. The metaphor that I always think about is is almost like real estate in your brain. Like who, what gets to have real estate in your brain? And it seems like the amount of space for kind of like new stuff is pretty limited in my brain and in my short-term memory and kind of what I want to be focusing on, what I want to give my attention to. And there's such a shocking abundance of things that I could waste that on. Uh, and I, I sometimes when I'm cruising around the internet or spending time on Reddit, I'm like, man, there are like 10 million different ways that I could squander my day uh, or 10 million different things that I could put into my brain to give them real estate of like things that I'm thinking about and not to go on a whole like David Foster Wallace thing here, but this is, you know, this is kind of what his whole, this is water uh, commencement address is about. Have you watched that before? Mm -mm. He did this, he did a commencement address. Uh, I don't even remember where it was, but there's like a 20 minute version and there's a shortened version. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, but uh, it's, it's called, this is water. And the basic, premise of it is that when he's talking to all these undergraduates, he's saying, you know, one of the, one of the few things you really do have some amount of control over in your life is what you give your attention to. And, uh, it's worth thinking about that because so many parts of adult life are grinding and unhappy and sterile. You know, you're mm -hmm. going to, you're going to be spending such a huge amount of time in grocery store lines and in traffic, and you're going to spend so much time, uh, doing parts of your job that you don't want to be doing. And I'm, I'm putting words into his mouth a little bit here, but it's really interesting because he kind of, the place where he lands is like, it's like, look, so much of your experience is defined by what you give your attention to. And that's actually one thing you do have some amount of control over. When somebody, uh, for example, you go to a website one time and they try to put you on an email list. I immediately unsubscribe to that because I'm like, what you're effectively asking me for is a, is you're basically like renting out some chunk of the real estate in my brain. And I don't think you're entitled to that. So I, I, I actually am going to unsubscribe immediately and you know, please don't ever contact me again because I don't, I, I don't want to give that to companies, you know, mm -hmm. I don't want to give that to, I don't want to give that to people unless it's somebody who I'm really invested in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Am I, am I being precious here? Uh, no, you're not. Um, I think you're being fair. I think one thing, uh, not to not to make the show about uh, mindfulness, but you know, um, <laughs> but like one thing about that is like paying attention to how your brain works is very important in this, right? And it's like, yeah, this is what you know. There's this Buddhist concept of like appropriate attention, right? Um, mm -hmm. And having like the appropriate attention for 
you know, whatever in the current moment, right? And so yeah. the practice of meditation is like, okay, well, the appropriate thing for my attention right now is this breath, you know? Mm-hmm. And you get to see every way that your brain deviates from the thing that is appropriate for it to pay attention to right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's good and bad news there, right? The good news is that your brain will always deviate from your breath. Sure. The good news is that like your brain will always come back to the breath um, and that you will develop tools to like bring it back. I don't know what I'm really getting at, except that like I want to turn, I want to take this more internal. Like I don't want to, I can't blame all of these external causes for attacking my attention, right? And yeah, I'm not saying that's necessarily what you're doing. I know you're like, you know, you're talking about subscribing and unsubscribing and taking agency over, over this thing. But like, I think, uh, I'm more, while I do do that and I do think that's important. And like the number of times that I've filtered email address, like my filter, my Gmail filters game is unreal. But like, I think that there's like another section of this question, which is like, what is it in my brain that like needs whatever that has, you know? Hmm. And like, to me, it's not as much like, why does my brain need that thing? It's like, why can my brain not stay where it is? You know, what, what was wrong with the breath, you know, that hmm. my brain had to leave? Or how come every time I have to do like a repetitive menial task, I find myself opening Twitter about four times as often? Yeah, exactly. Um, that's not Twitter's fault. It's definitely not Twitter's fault. Um, I think what it is is like, oh, my brain is bored. My brain is like understimulated, you know? Or um, I think in my case with the state picker, like the reason I had to break it up into all the small pieces to be able to like get it done was that it's like, no, my brain's not bored. It's overwhelmed, you know? Mm. It's like Mm -hmm. my brain doesn't see an end in sight, right? And so the thing with like a large menial task, right? Like something like, you know, copy and paste, uh, 4,000 rows of this spreadsheet uh, into this other thing over here. And you can't just copy and paste them all at once. You have to go through like row by row by row by row by row. Yeah. Change all the addresses in this book. Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever it is, like whatever the, whatever the situation is, it's seemingly endless and it is menial, right? So it's like you get no dopamine hit from any individual action that you do. Right? Yeah, right, and you get right. no uh, promise of a dopamine hit from completing the larger task because it seems this is like so distant. The witness, this is great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so for me, it's like I have to like find smaller tasks, and like obviously my approach to that would be like, all right, I'm going to spend half an hour figuring out how to automate this because like that's the only way I'm going to get through it, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, there are times where it's like, okay, I just need to break this up into smaller chunks and like give myself rewards for these small chunks, you know, whatever they are. So like, okay, it's a hundred rows a at a time. You, it's a hundred rows at a time and you get a treat after every hundred rows, you know? <laughs> um, and it's like Pavlovian and kind of weird to do that to yourself, but uh, that's what you got to do sometimes, you know? I think, and I think part of it for me, and this is kind of what I was starting to get at with the, uh, with the email subscription thing is it, Thinking about this has prompted me to say no to more things, I think, uh, where, you know, there's like a, there's a, an ongoing event that 
somebody wants to throw that's every week and it's you know hey hey did you just come to this thing just you know hey just come to this thing it's just every week you know and that's a time and attention thing but i'm becoming increasingly aware of just like man we got some really limited time uh and your most productive years are not very long and uh i'm just sort of kind of having one of those i'm having one of those months where i'm like man this is uh this is it this is uh this is my life this is what i've got and uh when something you know as john roderick says it's, it's like an eel it's like a bunch of eels when when an eel comes up and says hi i'd like to latch on you know would you like to give me uh 5 minutes of your morning every morning for the next uh for the next 10 years I'm like, no, no, I don't want to give you five minutes of any morning because I don't have that many mornings, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe is, is this a quarter-life crisis? What am I having? No, no, I get it. And I feel the same way. I think I have already given away too much of my time. And I do get to the point where I feel like I just don't have any time, right? And usually what that leads to is like there will be a week where I just blow everything off, you know? And I'll yeah. be like, okay, this is like Jubilee week, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's right. I hereby declare like scheduling Jubilee and I'm not going to be, yeah. and I'll just, you know, message. And all debts have been forgiven. Yeah. I'll message all the people and be like, I'm not going to be at your thing. I'm not going to be at your thing. I'm not going to be at yeah. your thing. And, uh, I just don't go to the John, things. John Mulaney said, uh, canceling plans is like crack cocaine for introverts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's how I always feel. I've always been a fan. And this is something my buddy Noah told me to do. And I did it. Um, was like, see what else you can pack into the stream of life. Like just constantly see what else you can pack into the stream of life. And like, if you do it only with things that are like genuinely exciting and and interesting and helpful to other people and good and feel good and make you feel good. And you know, all of these things, if you just do it with those things, you will be able to fit more into your life than you think you will be able to. Right. Hmm. And you won't be as tired as you think you will be doing all of that Hmm. stuff. But there will come a point where you are overwhelmed and underwater from having done that. And at that point, you need to recognize that you've done that, not feel bad about the fact that you overcommitted yourself because you went into this knowing you were going to overcommit yourself and then you were going to back off, you know? Huh. And like, I think that's fine, you know? Like, I think it's fine. I think you should have an escape hatch, you know? Like, I think you should have a way out of this, right? But like... I'm fine with overcommitting myself, you know? I'm fine with, like, double booking my life, basically. Because it's like, well, I get it done, you know? Like, I see the people I need to see, you know? I call, you know, like, it's fine. It works out fine, you know? Hmm. And at the end of the day, it's like, I would rather have, like, done too much and had too little free time than to have just had nothing but would, free time. You would prefer to have loved and lost rather than to have not loved at all. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. I, I, You know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Keep packing things into the stream of life. And then I got a phone call from Charlotte around 3.30. It says, Daniel, you have to call the school if you're going to do stuff like that. We called the police because we thought someone stole my car. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. Anyway, I did a whoopsie, is the thing. <laughs> you went from tech support to being a person of interest in a, I was in a major federal crime. I was a person of interest. And then uh, we got in the car and Charlotte was like, yeah, the ladies said 
that's such a typical man thing to do. Oh, Just, here we go. Mm-hmm. Did you leave the seat up on the uh, on your laptops? <laughs> it's really hard to be in that environment working on a technical problem without mansplaining, but being very conscious. <laughs> it's like that's a, yeah, sort of <laughs> being yeah, very like conscious like, that you really don't want to mansplain. You're like. I sure would like to give you information that would help you avoid this problem in the future, <laughs> but at the same time... I just, I just really can't see my way clear to doing that at any point here in the near future. <laughs> I'm really trying to be an ally here, but uh, in a minute or two, I'm going to have to really explain some stuff to you. It is challenging for me to be generous with my time. Uh... It's, uh, and I'm, I'm sure some of that is related to just thinking about things in these terms, but it's actually, uh, I find that it's actually, it's really hard for me to just give time to people. Yeah. I, I don't know. To me, it's like, I enjoy, I only do these things because I enjoy them. You know, I don't really do anything I don't like doing, you know, and Hmm. I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. Right. Like I have very few, like difficult responsibilities you know like yeah i like my job i like my life you know i like charlotte i like the people i hang out with i like all of my commitments they're all fun commitments you know i enjoy all of them so this is yeah. like i'm not like you know I'm, i don't have like a weekly commitment to like shovel out the clogged sewer for the community right <laughs> like i don't take on commitments i don't like maybe you should right well that's the thing right is like I'm not that selfless of a person. Yeah, some of the things I do help other people as well, but it's not like it's not like they're not my thing, you know? Yeah, right. Um right. I don't know. I don't really like the like economic terms in which you put this like being generous with my time and giving time uh-huh. to other people like like everyone is like born with a bank account of time and like you, you know, it's yours to like spend in the market as you will. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But uh, I'll let it slide. Because- I'm, I would I would actually argue that the uh, while that's probably not the healthiest way of thinking about those things, mm-hmm. that that is like that that is the nature of things. That is what the experience of like dealing with your time is like. I don't think you have any time. I don't think anyone possesses any time. Yeah, because you get to make decisions about how you spend your time. You th- you're answering the you're answering the question or you're stating the question in the answer or whatever, right? You huh? you get to make decisions about how you spend your time, right? It, but it's like, no, not if I don't have any time, right? Then all I get to make decisions about is like where I put my attention in this moment. Yeah, but you but you made a decision to spend an hour and a half recording this podcast. I made a decision to. In the moment when you asked me, when would you like to record this podcast? I made a decision to focus my attention on, say, on my calendar and looking at it. Yeah, but you also you you also partitioned off a, a an amount of time that you. But none of those things are real. This. You know what I'm saying? You what? None of those things are real. Uh, how is it any less real than attention? Because time time is external to me. Time is not part of time. Is not something I control. Right, but you get to have an experience in time, and you get to decide how, like, w- like how much time you're going to allocate to various experiences and and activities and 
things like that. So not really, though. There's so many things that you don't control about time. Well, I'm not saying you have complete control over it, but you do have some control over it. Like I can go, you know, decide that it's worthy of my time to go, uh, you know, watch Netflix for an hour, uh, and that it probably would not be worthy of my time to go spend 30 hours watching Netflix, right? That's like that's me making a, me making an informed decision about uh, a resource that is scarce mm-hmm. uh, and based on my values and you know what I believe to be true about the world, right? Yeah, kind of, but it's like I don't think you have to like look at it that way at all. I don't think you have to see time as a resource. I don't. Ha- I don't think you have to see yourself as any sort of arbiter of time. I think you can, <laughs> like. I don't think it's. A, I, I, I don't think I'm framing it up, framing it up as a, that you're an arbiter about of time. I think that you are necessarily constantly making decisions about your time and constantly making decisions. Well, maybe so, uh, sort of uh, unconsciously making decisions, but you are making decisions about how and where you spend your time. Maybe I would say it's like fifty fifty. I think you are fifty fifty between deciding and not deciding. No, I think your decisions have about a 50-50 chance of being realities, which makes them not decisions. But, like, you get to go just, like, do your day. Like, I, I made decisions about how I spent all my time. Like, yeah, like, a couple of the phone calls I was on went long went on longer than I anticipated. But ultimately, like, I, you know, I made a decision to, you know, and maybe sometimes it's more abstract than I'm making it. Like I made a, I have made a decision that it is worthy of my time to do the job that I'm doing. And, and my job gets to dictate how I spend some of my time and I get to dictate how I spend some of my time. But ultimately, you know, decisions are being made and time is being allocated to various contexts, people, activities, things like that. No, no. Okay. Here's, Here's, I think, the point I'm trying to make. I think we use time as a proxy for other things, right? And there's tons of places in our lives where we refer to how much time we want to spend on something or how much, you know, whatever, as a proxy for whatever value we think we're getting out of that thing, right? And we have this, like, mis- misassumption that, like, time is somehow correlates to value, um, right? Because we, like, for example, like, oh, I want to spend more time with my friends, right? That's cool, right? And because we, like, because we know that when we spend no time with our friends, we have no endearing moments with our friends. And when we spend a ton of times with our friends, we have a ton of endearing moments with our friends. We therefore think that, like, the way to have endearing moments and, like, a healthy relationship with people is time, right? But I think... It's just that, like, because of all of the time, like, there was, like, what you really want with your friends is, like, love and mutual respect and enjoyment and happiness and all those things, right? And sometimes you can have those in a very short time, and sometimes it takes a lot more time to get to one of those, you know? And so I think in a world where we didn't measure time, uh, you would just hang out with your friend until you had had the experience you wanted to have, and then you would go on with your life. And it wouldn't matter if that was two minutes or whether that was two hours, right? Um, and in the same way, like, I think uh, in a world where we didn't measure time, you would work until the work was done, and it wouldn't matter if that was, you know, 85 minutes or 85 hours, you know, mm-hmm. to get the thing done, Um it's just that like we use time as like a proxy 
to talk about like these values and like things that we value. And so that's why we treat time as a resource because like it's the best proxy we have for a bunch of other things that are important to us. Okay. So what is that? What part of my rant earlier does that invalidate? I think we quantify too many things. And I think it would be better if we didn't quantify them. And I think that like the guilt associated with wasting time is largely to do with uh, this sort of economic view that we have of time as like a proxy for other things that we find valuable. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that if we stopped connoting, you know, th- or like implying that like time was the same thing as the the actual values behind time, like, uh, you know, experiences or uh, completed work or whatever, um, I think if we stopped like, conflating those two things we would have a much like happier and healthier life because we would have less obsession with wasted time right like there's this very weird like uh twilight zone sort of 50s american modernism thing where it's like beware of wasted time like you know like (laughs) the nazis will win the war because they're you know their trains run on time and their people work on time and the american boy must do the very same you know (laughs) or whatever Mm -hmm. but like uh i think there's like i think there's this weird american obsession with with time and using it well and using it right uh that is largely based in like the fear of like not getting what you want Um, and so when you're talking about like, oh, like I don't want to give away my time or I do, I have like a fear of like giving away these big chunks of my time to me, I'm like, well, if you didn't think of that as time, would you be less stressed out about it? Right? Like is the stress because you've over quantified the thing? Like, would you feel happier and more at peace with the situation as it lays if you looked at it less as a product of time. And I don't know that, I don't exactly know the answer, but like, I think like divorcing uh, value from time and thinking of things more as like attention or completing a task or something like that, that's a little bit more low level and less tied to like this ominous death clock. Uh, um, I think it helps me and I don't know if it would help you or not, but that I think that is why I started fighting you on that, and now we've been talking about it for a long time. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it feels like it's like a it's like an interesting exercise. But at the end of the day, it's like we have schedules and clocks, and like need to like our jobs depend on us treating time as a scarce resource, and a lot of things are structured that way. So I just don't know. I don't know if that's like feasible as like a day-to-day habit yeah i mean i i I would suggest if you want to experiment and see if it is i would suggest that you pack a bunch of things into the stream of life and like over schedule yourself for two weeks and see how it feels you know and just like yeah just like commit to like having a week and not like hating yourself if you cancel something you know oh no i don't hate myself if i cancel something i I, uh, it's, I'm in just sheer delight for canceling something. (laughs) Right. So just schedule too many things and like do them or don't do them and see what happens. Right. And like, don't like waste other people's time because they still think of it as a resource, even if you have transcended that. But, uh, (laughs) even if you've become the Buddha. Yeah. Even if you've become the Buddha, right? Like you still have to, you still have to love the others. 
I'd like to step back to spend a little bit of time with my family. Yeah, that's right. You notice no one ever steps back from their family to spend a little bit more time with work. Yeah, no, I think they do that a lot. They just don't do press releases about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a, a workaholism. You learn something new every day. Did you know that? Yeah, so I always thought that that was uh, instructional. But <laughs> I found that it was diagnostic. Because <laughs> yeah. people never... Th- so it has an implied you... Like the, yeah. it's an implied subject. You run, yeah. you learn something new every day, but yeah. people never say it. They just say, "Learn something new every day." You learn something. And I was I like, people say you. Eh, learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you that's how I often new. hear it. And so I was always like, if you say so, you know, <laughs> like I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> Your suggestion weeks ago that I found really helpful was to slow down. Was to just when I'm doing my work and I'm switching contexts and I'm jumping around to just slow down and do one thing at a time. And what that requires or what that maybe demands is that you prioritize appropriately. You have to prioritize because if you're going to sit there and go in the mindset of, okay, I'm going to work on task number one until task number one is complete. And if task number one takes four times longer than I expected it to, it doesn't matter because task one is task one for a reason because it's the first one and I'm going to do task one and then I'm going to maybe take a break. I'm going to come back and do task number two. Right. Uh, and I've, I've started to do that, but what it also requires is that at the beginning of each week, I really map out like what is really on my plate and how do I prioritize those things? And it's, I think my bosses were a little bit taken aback because I actually came to them and were like, Hey, I want to show you guys like in pretty specific detail what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, and why, and how I prioritize all those things. They're they're sort of like, great, thanks. We didn't really ask for this, but sure. What, are you like, training your replacement? What's going on here? Yeah, right. Yeah. I was like inviting them to micromanage me. Right, exactly. Uh, um, and they were sort of like, no, we don't really have interest in doing that, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it has been interesting because uh, I think – I think actually that is one place where your kind of alternative view of time actually is really helpful because if you have the priorities right and you know what needs to get done and there's sort of an internal agreement in the organization about what needs to be done and who needs to be doing it, then it doesn't really matter how long it's taking you, does it? it it's 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 not an issue of I'm going to go spend an hour working on this list. Uh, it's really just, hey, this list needs to be done and it is number one on my docket. So I'm going to sit here and do it until it's done. Right. Uh, and then we can move on and talk about number two. And that's the thing, right? Is like, there has to be like internal buy-in from the organization, right? Right. But like, you can just take that little thing that makes sense in like your working life and you're you're knocking out of tasks, right? And just like, take the take the leap and expand that past the boundaries of your working day. Yeah. And just say that, like, everything is like that, and you are the organization, so all it takes is internal buy-in from you. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And, like, that's all it is, right? And And all of your middle managers. You got your ego, you got the id, you got (laughs) your... Oh, man. Have I I said the thing on here about the, the ego's job being to pick out shirts? I don't think you've said it on here. You've said it to me a couple times, and I have since repeated it to other people. Oh, it's it's a really it was given to me. Like it was it's given very good. It was very given good. to me from the from the atmosphere. Like it just yeah. came to me. It was oh, like Oh, I thought someone told that to you. No, no, it was all that's all me. It's maybe all, it was maybe it was your ego. Yeah, I think it must have been. <laughs> the ego was like, "Listen, I'm bored. Can I have a job?" <laughs> <laughs> Let me pitch you on something. <laughs> yeah. Picture this. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, so I was I was thinking about how like we're always trying to transcend our egos and stuff. We're always treating our egos like they're a bad thing. But I think it's like very important and healthy to have an ego and everyone has an ego. You just need to make sure that has a very specifically assigned role. You wouldn't have it if you didn't need it. Yeah, well, and the role can't be CEO, right? Like the ego doesn't run this company. No. The ego no. has a job. Yeah. And uh, so I decided that the ego's job is and uh, is limited to picking a shirt. Yeah. Picking a shirt, telling the barber what kind of haircut you want, uh, you know, maybe buying a shoe. You, you know, don't want to do those things without your ego. No, you don't. That is... That's you the want issue. him there. And I say him because it's definitely a man. <laughs> it's definitely a man. Yeah, I think Bill Gates's issue uh, was that he was doing all of those things without his ego, right? His ego had oh, a different job. His, his ego had the job of uh, becoming the wealthiest man in the world. Yeah. Um, and so while he was doing that with his ego, uh, there was no one to buy his shirts. There was no one to buy his shirts. Right. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, I think that's a helpful thought technology. I was thinking about that the other day because you realize how much comes back to your ego. And there's a, it does seem like there's a little bit, yeah, it seems like there's a little bit of a thing that I fall into sometimes that, that uh, you see a lot on the internet, which is like, you sort of just like, you, people want to kill their ego, ego death. You know, mm-hmm. you want to you wanna totally transcend the ego. And it, it, it was interesting when you said that, you pointed that out to me. I was thinking, you know, there is, yeah, it does seem like there's a reason that that's in there. It's not, it's not screwing around. And now I know it's, it's just there to pick your shirts. You got to buy a shirt. Speaking of which, yeah. that's a very handsome Roderick on the line sweatshirt you've got there. No, thank you. It's got the bell on it. Yeah. Ding. Uh, you got to get all your middle managers in line. You got a lot of middle managers. And the thing that I've noticed about the ego is that it's a, it's a sort of a pesky middle manager. It's, it's, it uh, likes to sort of go up to yeah. other people's. No, it's very uh, insistent. He, he he approaches other people's desks and sort of makes uh, suggestions about how they could maybe do a better job. And then <sighs> maybe ultimately he ends up sort of uh, commandeering the whole project. And then before you know it, everything's kind of got his, his stamp on it. Uh, before you know it, he's the CEO. He's weighing in on everything. He's not just the CEO. He's, he's micromanaging each little detail you do. Mm-hmm. And then the company is deeply, deeply in debt. And then you have a board meeting. Yeah, and you have a board meeting. They say, they say, well, what happened? And you said, oh, well, there was this guy. He's not very smart. Uh, he actually, you know what? He was only in charge of one little thing. Mm-hmm. But he started going around and he had some ideas. Not very smart, but very, very ambitious. Uh, a real go-getter. Yeah, he's a real go-getter. A real go-getter. <laughs> yeah, he's a real rock star engineer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a 10xer yeah he's a 10xer and uh and to come to find out the all the other middle managers in this organization don't have much of a constitution so they just kind of rolled over for him <laughs> yeah 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 so uh anyway what, what are we gonna do about this one it's like well wow. we don't want to fire him he, he has all that equity yeah. um so and, uh, and he has a great looking shirt on yeah. <laughs> very stylish you know what maybe we could get this guy into the shirts thing yeah you know tom has been doing kind of a job on the shirts thing uh maybe yeah. maybe we move tom back over to uh his his old job in the loving others department uh and then uh we'll, we'll give the shirts thing to ego tom was really good at that and actually he's really bad at, at picking out shirts which is why uh <laughs> Everything, everything we have now is like is sort of like canvassy, uh, and there's like a drug rug in there, waxed canvas. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, and 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 Tom keeps on insisting that it's like it's like really good for supply chain ethics reasons. 
<laughs> yeah, no, the whole thing with Tom is that for every shirt he picks out, he wants to donate one to a child in Africa. Yes. <laughs> Oh, we'll be back in like six months or something. Uh. <laughs>